Welcome to the Jeff Hilliard Show. What's up? Yes, I, I have. I told you. I've been threatening. I'm going to have a guest. This is so great. I have Abby. Now I'm, I probably will pronounce everyone's last name incorrectly. I've known mm-hmm. Abby forever. Roberge. Nailed it, dude. Nice. Nailed it. I was. I was for sure going. I'm going because I'm. I've done that my whole life. Is screw up everyone's name because yeah. I'm not that bright. Frontal lobe damage. Dropped in my head really hard. It's not about me though. I got Abby here. Abby is an amazing, funny comedian, uh, a rising star. Hell just yeah, go, dude! <laughs> just go, rising just go star, off. god damn it! And you grew up in like uh, Canada, right? I sure did, dude. We're at in Canada. Um. Okay. First of all, uh, it's none of your business, and <laughs> and I don't want to do this podcast anymore. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's how um, I like to start out. You're my first guest, so as long as it flatlines really bad. <laughs> no, I just thought it'd be such a funny bit to be like the worst interviewee ever, where you just don't answer any questions and just are completely. It might shut work off. for this. Just you just stare at me the whole time, yeah. and I just keep asking questions. Right. You grew I, up in Canada. Yeah, I grew up in Canada. I was born in Pennsylvania on an Amish farm. Uh, you know Amish people. Yeah, I do. I um, I've driven through. Nice. I've, uh, you look like you could fit in. Yeah, I, I like have. You. Actually, on my father's side, way back. You look like you got a Dwight Schrute somewhere in yes, your family. Definitely, I do. I had a Quaker. Yeah, dude. So, so my one of my uh, great great grandfathers is William Brewster, who was the oh yeah, senior, I know the, Bru- the Brewster family, the senior member on the Mayflower. Whoa. Yeah. So. I'm 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 basically fucking uh, royalty of America. I just figured that out. That wow. I just labeled that. It's important that I tell people. Wow, that. dude, you sound kind of like a important. a white supremacist. I'm close. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have. Uh, but the rest of it's like Irish. It's rest of it's very oppressed. Okay. But I would they were leaving persecution. Okay. The uh, yeah, yeah yeah. But there were pilgrims. I mean, you're in that terrible outfit. So, okay, so you grew up on, in Pennsylvania. No, 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 so I was born in Pennsylvania. I have no memory or recollection okay. of Pennsylvania. So I was born in Pennsylvania on a Amish farm. Not My family wasn't Amish at all. Are Quakers and Amish, cheap. are they, like, related in, in their stuff? I think so. So, like, they were just, like, my family, my parents were just cheap. They didn't oh. want to pay for the hospital. It was cheaper oh. to have the Amish midwives uh give birth so, I was did, like, so did your like mother have bucks. like no medication just she, she i don't, I don't like, think so no wow. i think it was kind of a no medication situation like the cheapest way to do it she's yeah so she's a trooper so you and then you moved you guys had the you so were born like cheap six, yeah so we lived on a hard krishna commune there which was next door to the amish farm it was like it was like a hard krishna commune amish farm surrounded by like crazy rednecks right and which is kind of funny if you're a harry krishna you're saying the rednecks are crazy which is great. Yeah, Ari Krishnas are crazy too. That's but no, this is perfect. So, I know that Prince was a Ari Krishna, right? Prince was Ari Krishna. I think he was, wasn't he? I don't think. No, I would no. have known about that. Uh, <laughs> the the uh, George Harrison was. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, Prince is something interesting. I don't know. I should I should have my fact checker look it up. He was <laughs> like a Scientologist or something. No, Prince was a is a, I think he is. Something interesting. We'll get. I'll get back to it. Okay. So, you, how, what the hell was that like? It was dope. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Did you I don't wear know. the outfits? Did you guys hang out at the airport? A little that bit. Was like the 70s. A little bit. Let, let's. Okay. So when I was one, we moved to a new Hare Krishna. I call it a commune because it's just the easiest thing to imagine. But they own this big seventeen hundred acre beautiful valley oh, in wow. the middle of nowhere in Canada, and. Um, you know, everybody has their own house. Everyone has an autonomous household, you know. Still get together and do community stuff and build yeah. the temple and work on stuff. And it has a, has a, has the, everyone's united under the same goal, which is Prabhupada's vision, who was the guy who brought Krishna consciousness over from India, right? And, uh, but you know, I'm a kid. So when I was there, it's just like normal kid stuff. So just growing up in the woods and that's, doing that's Hare probably, Krishna that's stuff. That's the best way. It all felt totally normal. Yeah. Did you guys like learn meditation? We chanted a lot. A lot of chanting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to chant the mantra? Yeah. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. That's it. And then you say that? Yeah. Because, but you have to say it a lot, so I would say it really fast. You know, so you got to say it like 108 over. times. You know, God. you have to count it around the beads, and then you say this other mantra, and then you turn around, and you count it again. 
And then you do that like 16 times. It takes like two and a half hours. Now, when you were a kid, did you think this is, did you think, did you question it? I was raised Catholic and I, I kind of figured out this is a, yeah, I questioned it. This is a weird. I, I only questioned it while I was chanting every other time I just accepted it. Yes. But while I was chanting, yes. I'm like, yo, this is so boring. Yes. I'm like, if I'm doing this for no reason, yeah. I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> and I thought it was just also an established fact. I remember saying to my friend growing up, I'm like, what if like, like sometime in the future, somebody finds out that Krishna isn't real, what would happen? You know, I just remember having that thought. And then, um, yeah, so I'd think that while I was chanting. And then I'm like, yeah, what if I'm just saying these, making these random sounds, holding these beads, and it actually is doing nothing. But that's actually, like, honestly, like, though, when I chant that mantra as an adult, it does, like, kind of help with my anxiety and stuff. And I do, I think there's some benefit to it. For I sure. think there is. I, prayer is like setting intention. So, like, in the Catholic Church, they do, like, the Hail Marys. Yeah. And the Our Fathers. And, and you... Go in there and you confess your sins. Yeah. You have to make that up when you're a little kid because you don't even know what the hell you're supposed to say. And then they give you Hail Marys. But dude, I remember as a kid thinking, like, well, this is nonsense. Dude, I've come full circle with, like, Hare Krishna stuff, spiritual stuff, all that stuff. Like, so, like, growing up, I'm like, this is awesome, this is awesome. Then around 18, 19, 20, I'm like, this is the dumbest thing ever. I can't believe I was, like, around that. I don't want anything to do with it. And then, I, you know, I just did comedy for a while. And then over the past couple of years, I've just kind of warmed up to it a lot more since I like, I don't really have like resentments towards it anymore. And I see it as like, Except I'm, like it. I'm like, oh, this is great. And I started like actually reading the books and studying. I'm like, oh, this, this is awesome. Well, it's kind I'm of. I'm not going to shave my head and wear pink robes, but. Well, I figured to me, I like costuming. That would be like the only part of the the whole experience I would be into. The other Really? Stuff, yeah. I'm, in, I'm into costuming. Yeah. That the good sense. costumes. Good. <laughs> there's some good costumes. But there's, um, I think it's fun. like when I was. I went through a similar phase. I rejected it. But I think if you appreciate it as a metaphor and a teaching tool and then don't get too literal, I think it would help the whole world. If we could all, we just solved all the world's problems. Uh, it's a metaphor. So, okay, you're growing up in this, you're doing the Hare Krishna stuff. Did you have to have the shaved head in the outfit when you were a kid? No, I only shaved my head on like, uh, and, and I had the Sika. The, C, the Hare Krishna, they shave their head, right? Yeah. And they have this thing in the back. And they let that grow, and they call that a sika, right? So it's kind of like a, it's and like a skullet almost. It's like a, a mullet, but just a little bit. Just a See, little bit of a I mullet. talked about okay. this on one of my episodes. A lot of people don't know this, but the CIA, uh, Jesus had a mullet, and it's basically, it balances, it's the perfect power. It's the uh, long and the short, uh, the short and the long, the skinny and the fat. It's it's both. It's it's a, yeah. it's the most powerful place you can be, and that's probably where that came from. And a lot of people so, don't know this, but the CIA has created all this huge disinformation campaign to demonize the mullet. Interesting. So you probably okay. you're learning something here. So let me explain the secret and why some of these told me to do it, and okay. I'll tell you what what I thought about it when I was there. so when I was. Four, five. I asked. I was like, "How come we have their hair like that?" And then my friend's mom said, "The reason why we grow a sika is so that when you die, Krishna can pull you up to heaven that's by great. your by your ponytail, by your rat tail." That is that's amazing. Right? And I'm like, um, "Okay, first of all, I think I'm gonna find my own way up there. I'll think I'll think I'll f- figure out a different way to get up there, you know." But then I was also thinking, like, "Is it heaven if everybody up there has a rat tail?" Because that doesn't it sounds like Florida, <laughs> not heaven. Uh, yeah, that's a t- that would be tough. Heaven, if heaven is Florida, which makes sense. It's for the it's. The I mean, Florida <laughs> is heaven, dude. Nobody fucking nobody wears masks. They fucking live their life, dude. They're really going for it. Okay, so you're a kid. You're doing this. Ooh, fun fact. Yes. Did you know? I've been reading a lot about coronavirus, and I'm and I'm studying and I'm compiling notes. Did you know? COVID only affects you if you're a liberal pussy. <laughs> I, I see that. I, I <laughs> you didn't know that? Apparently. I mean, why do why do people in the South not wear masks? Because they, nope, uh, nope. they, they get is, it. That's, well, because they have yeah. Jesus on their side. Exactly, because they're not liberal pussies. Well, I think dude. I would rather actually have COVID than get the vaccine. And I think it would be... 
And it's, I was thinking about COVID is actually the most un-American, this whole thing has been the most un-American response to it. Dude, I'd rather have COVID than have to listen to anything Gavin Newsom tells me what to do. <laughs> it's true. So think about this. It's America. It's the most unsafe. Like we wouldn't have seatbelts if it wasn't for Ralph Nader. Right. Like it's not about, it's all about making as much money as possible. And if you Is get Ralph hurt. Is Ralph Nader on the ballot this year? No, but he should be. Yeah. If you get hurt, it doesn't matter. So the fact that we are destroying the economy so a few people can't die is not very American. No. It's and it's it's really bizarre. Yeah. Because it's all about we don't care about you. We we don't even give people health care. Well, also but we're concerned about them dying of COVID. Also the way things are run here are so bad and no in, one uses California their brain. So I'm like I, I've been wondering, like, I'm I'm one of the few people who spent time in California, and I've spent time in Canada during this pandemic. I've spent yeah, about there, three right? months in California and yeah. five months in Canada. So I've seen how both places operate, right? Canada has way less cases. I mean, way less. Especially the west coast of Canada is, like, is way less. And... Do you think it might be because it's, it's now, not nobody, as nobody there wears masks, which is interesting. I, I wore a mask like three times in five months. Nobody wears masks. Canada thinks they're so great. And I see people posting on social media and say, oh, these Americans don't wear masks. I've never walked into a store without a mask here. And when I'm in a store, I, I, every single person has a mask. Everywhere you go, everybody has a mask. There, nobody wears a mask. It like just it like two weeks ago, just became mandated that you have to wear one on the bus. But... They run things better. All their laws are better. When you, the, a, a restaurant is set up better, all their protocols are well thought out to spread. There's just it's not just arbitrary rules, you know. Like here, gyms are open. They're like, oh, you just got to wear a mask, but nobody's wiping down equipment. There's no capacity to. I went to this gym in the valley. You know, there was nine thousand people there, and they're like, oh, it's an outdoor gym. I'm like, uh, there's tents and there's walls and there's AC blowing air around which they think is good i think it's bad because that's just gonna mix up all the stuff people are breathing well i think if if donald trump wasn't president and there wasn't so much hatred towards him they just politicized all of this so the whole response to it and everything is not really Mm -hmm. a normal response it's just it's politicized in every country because in israel uh the president of israel is a right-wing guy and he is locked down He's a, he's a hardcore lockdown guy. And all the left-wing people in Israel are the open-it-up people. Oh, interesting. Isn't that interesting? So yeah. if country by country, it's just whatever one person says, everybody's going to do the opposite. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, if he really wanted to get himself reelected, he should have he should have uh, demanded... He should have been like, we need to lock everything down, and then they would have just done the opposite. Then, the, the, then he would have been forced to leave everything open and the economy would be doing so well that he would... Oh, interesting. He doesn't... He, they never really... He never really played it correctly because whatever he says, they're going to attack him the opposite. And then, uh, then the thing about that's worst about the left, not that this is some sort of political podcast, but he's a narcissistic megalomaniac, so it's really easy. All he wants is to be the guy. So all you would have to do is bait him into whatever you wanted to just be like, you're the guy if you do this. And he would go right along and do that because he wants to have his face on Mount Rushmore. He'd yeah. have been like Truman. He would have been. Also, this whole thing could have been avoided if Hillary Clinton didn't create COVID in her lab. That's true. A lot of people dis- don't know to, that. To distract from Everything. the fact that she's <laughs> eating children. Everything to make it so Trump would lose is why because hillary created covid yeah because uh, she didn't want people to know that she's eating children in her basement so she personally invented covid yeah she's cooking pizzas and sacrificing kids giving them to moloch so we can create a new world order and everyone gets a microchip uh but that's that's okay because jfk jr faked his own death and is coming back and is going to save the planet Yep. And along with he's working with Donald Trump and what they're going to do is they are going to they they're basically setting up the satanic cult power elite. They're walking into a trap because 
Trump is doing 10D chess moves. Yep. He's so far ahead of them. He's like 25 chess. He's, Amen. They're playing checkers, and he's playing Monopoly chess, which is that no one even's heard of it Amen. yet. Amen. He's got his own game. And so basically, at any day now, JFK Jr. is going to come out, and he's going to then, I guess, be the president of the... He's going to announce that he's still... I remember the... I guess he didn't that. finish his two terms. JFK Jr. Well, he never actually, he never was. He oh, never, JFK Jr. Yeah. Well, now uh, yeah, he's JFK because yeah. the, the the senior died. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so that's what I'm 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 hoping for. When are you coming back, JFK Jr.? Come save us from Hillary Clinton. God, it's pretty bad. Well, we have uh, the 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 Harris. I think she's Hillary 2.0, but better. Yeah. Yeah, they both have that great mono- that laugh. Yeah. The laugh that says, "I'm a sociopath." What are you talking about? She's a queen, dude. I think I I'm excited, like but but if you're gonna hold on, all the great leaders in the world are have been sociopaths. True, and you have to be because if you you have to be able to bomb and kill people. Wait, oh, which great leaders? Well, Obama. Yeah. Uh, you name it. You name any of them. You have to, Genghis Khan. Yeah, that's why Justin Trudeau uh, in Canada is such a bad leader. He's not because he he's not to, a sociopath. He's a cuck. Yeah, that's a problem. You need to be. Uh, you have to have the ability to invade countries, take their resources, uh, bomb them. Yep. Uh, and that's because you're on the right side of history. So get out there and vote, because you're on the right side of history because you're voting. Yep. And uh, it's it's I'm I the one thing I'm excited is that uh, whoever wins. I'm not sure who it will be. That's the one thing that's been interesting about Trump is that he, we haven't gone to, I don't think we've done any more invading. But if we can get... He's saving it up for the next term, dude. Yeah. We're going to fucking take over the yeah. world, dude. I, yeah, I don't know who they're going to invade. They're going to invade Iran, Venezuela. That's why people listen to my podcast is to get the insight of the politics. Well, what are the last two countries on the Rothschilds bank list, dude? It's Iran, Iran yeah. and Venezuela. Yes. Is it? Yes. Iran and then North Korea. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, I think Venezuela they have. So the Rothschilds have every country but Iran and North Korea, I believe. They There's only two Venezuela. Oh, countries. That, that's fascinating. Yeah, but... Um, but that's all conspiracy stuff. I know that's true. I know it's conspiracy, but isn't it? Has has that been validated? That everything's that, been debunked. It has been debunked. Everything's been debunked. Really? You know what's funny? If people don't know this, but uh, Donald Trump is not even the president. It was debunked. Oh, I didn't know. He's that. not. He wasn't even the president of the United oh, States. Well, if you tell me it's debunked, then I believe you. <laughs> it was on Snoop's. Oh, okay. <laughs> Snoop's is great. Yeah, they've everything has been debunked. I, the thing I like about Snoops is it Snoops, is... Snoops, I call it Snoops. <laughs> the thing I like about Snoops is that it's just unadulterated, pure, uncut truth. It's great because it's the un, guy is addicted. It's bipartisan, impartial, unadulterated, perfect truth. It's good. He's into he's into women. I think his, he got a divorce and then he has a porn actress girlfriend. And I think he spends a lot... I think he's financed his... Sex addiction, sex addiction. That's what I heard, and then it was, and then they didn't debunk it. It was put out in the press by the BBC, and then Snoop's didn't debunk it. Nice. So apparently, that's what's going on over there. So what was going on? How did you decide that you're? At what point you're like, okay, I'm gonna be a comedian? Um, I was 19 years old, and I had given up on my dreams of being a fighter in the UFC. I was not. That's a big dream. It was a big dream. And I was it's always someone tough. Nowhere close to, I mean, I wasn't, it was the most delusional dream. I mean, I wanted you to were fight seriously in the UFC. Wanted to be a fighter in the UFC. Oh, I was, I dedicated so much time and energy for, really? I mean, I wrestled throughout high school and I did jujitsu. And after high school, I was oh, training wow. like four hours a day and I wasn't like that great, you know, but, um, yeah, I probably definitely wouldn't have made. I realized I didn't actually like getting hit in the face. Yeah, I, didn't, I don't even like getting hit in the nose. It fucking hurts. It sucks. Yeah, no. And then I went traveling for a bit. And on my travels, 
I had some fun. I stopped training and I picked up a cigarette addiction. Started partying a lot more. And then I came back. I was like, all right, I'll start. This is when you that. left the religion scenario. Were you very religious, like in high school and stuff? Like, Dude, I was religious to like the age of like 19. And then that's when you were like, yeah, I got to go on my own journey. Yeah. I just, it just, it was a very gradual thing. It was almost like I was religious till the age of 19. And then I just got like, just so preoccupied in my own life. I'm like, dude, I haven't even seen a Hare Krishna person in like two years. And I'm like, yeah. and then I just stopped giving a shit. And then I'm like, wait a second. I don't really like that anymore. And then I started just judging people that were into it. And I'm like, man, you guys still doing that shit? Damn, that's whack. And but then, then you look at all the different types of religions and there's really, everyone has their own yeah. bizarre. Story. But now I've moved back into the commune. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm back. Oh, that's great. Yeah, right now. Full circle. I'm currently renting a place in the commune, and it's fucking awesome. This is amazing. Yeah, dude. I'm back. I'm part of the community. I'm, I'm, I help out around the temple. I help out around the school. I, I'm, uh, this is great. Yeah, dude. So I, now, this is, now were you raised there? Or this yeah, for you? the first 12 years of my life. Okay, so you've come back. You get to see people I haven't seen in a long time. Yeah. Saw people I haven't seen in a long time. It's dope. How do they feel about you coming to Los Angeles they think it's doing great. All this stuff. They're into it. Everyone's they support very supportive. It. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Now they don't know all the jokes that I say. Do you make fun of I say none of my Hare Krishna jokes are that are that offensive on stage. Yeah. Well, I think they used to be very popular in Los Angeles, like in the seventies. Yeah, they're still a pretty the temple here is still active. Yeah, they but yeah. they but they were basically they were so well known because they'd be at the airports in the mm -hmm. outfits. And um but it was a very beautiful save the planet. It's all about love and being kind. Yeah, it was great. All the cool hippies were into it back in the day. Yeah. Why is it not as popular, you think? Um, it's a, it's like it requires a lot. It's a big commitment. Everybody wants to just be casual. You, it's they kind wanna, of like... They, just wanna, they want to dip, dip their toes in. It's, hard, it's difficult to just dip your toes in. Because you have to do the look, right? You, do you have to have the hair and stuff? Is that part of no. like if you're legit? Do they look at you like you're not legit? The way I describe it, it's like Jewish people, right? Yeah. You like got, the more you got the Jewish people and then you got the Hasidic Jewish people, right? Well, they and have like, great costuming. They have the great costuming. The hat's great. The, the, right. It's so brilliant. when you meet someone, they're like, oh, I'm Jewish, right? And you're like, yeah. oh, great, you're Jewish, you know? It's like, are you religious, you know? And some are religious Jews, but they just, you know, they're chill about it. And then others are, that's the way Hare Krishnas are. So there's more than you think there are. That's great. But, I don't know, it's just, you're either in or you're out. You know I mean? But, just, you know, I don't really know much about their that religion at all. I just thought it's interesting living on a commune. Yeah, I call it, a, it's hard to describe. It's, but that's just a community of people that all have the share the same faith. Yeah, same goals. There's like one big. That's easy. Yeah. It's, it's like one, a fraternity. Yeah. Without the fraternity aspect. Yeah, and there's like a lot of community, there's community garden, there's community things people do. And, you know, everybody gets together all the time. It's like, it's great. That's beautiful. It was dope growing up there too. You could show up at anybody's house and they'll feed you and stuff. And, you know, it's like, it's great. It's probably like the uh, best way to grow up. It was pretty cool. I mean, we had no cell, we had no phones. Nobody had a phone. Perfect. Nobody had an address. So people know how to have Dirt a roads. conversation. Yeah, I think so. Except for me, I somehow didn't learn, but no. that's okay. And then, it's okay. Like, you know, it was crazy. Even there, like as far as you can go from society, Jehovah's Witnesses would still show up and find really? us. Yeah, my family. We lived, in a, the, we lived in a teepee. They came and knocked what, on I'm our sorry. teepee. That's what Prince is a Jehovah Witness. Okay, so. You decided you were traveling and you're thinking you're 19 and then you're going to give up on the becoming an IFC champion. UFC. And the, UFC. And then you're going to become an IFC independent film channel <laughs> champion of wrestling. So then you're going to, how do you, because that's a big jump to stand yeah. up in front of people and I'm going to tell, I'm going to become a stand-up comic. I mean, I'd always been a fan of comedy. And Maybe were you I'm, always like a funny kid? No. no. Oh, that's even Dude, better. Dude, I'm still not funny. That's great. I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, I was like funny. I was funny, like I was funny around people that brought it out with me. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you I wasn't. I was funny. I wasn't confident. You know. So if I was in a situation where I felt comfortable, then I was very funny. Yeah. You weren't obnoxious and like look at me attention. You were no. More, yeah. 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 I that's yeah. I, that's I appreciate unless I was that. around like people I didn't respect. I had a 
like uh, substitute some, teachers and stuff. Then yeah, then you'd bring the A game. Dude, yeah. I had a, a a fancy manager. I can't remember which one it was, but he told me, because it's nice that you're not running your act on me. Yeah, Because I could be normal when you're, it's like you're on the stage, do your thing. or you I fit be, like two of my stand-up jokes into this conversation. Well, you should you because tell? you're a professional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're subtle. I would never do that if we weren't on the mic. I would no. never do that well, to That's you. part of the Ever, job. Ever, dude. That's the job. You can, when I hang out with funny. comic, dude, I, remember, I, I hung out with some comics one time. We were in a green room and this one comic walks in and this guy was like, obnoxious he had the blazer he had the whole thing like mm. out of a time machine from the 80s right and he just like, wouldn't stop name dropping about how successful he was even though no one knew who he was or cared about him and we all knew he wasn't successful and he walks in the green room and he goes hey guys i was i was driving down fairfax the other day and i drove past all those ethiopian restaurants i'm like ethiopian restaurants what do they have to eat and we all just lo- just shot daggers at him and we we're like are you running a fucking bit on us not only is that he was he running a bit, it was like a, it was like a, one of the hackiest bits of all time. That's brutal. No one knows the joke about Ethiopian restaurants. That's terrible. Oh, so bad. Okay, so now you're like, I'm gonna do stand up. What was like your, like, did you just so, all of a sudden get on stage and do this? Um, do you have friends that were comedians? I had a friend. So my first time doing stand up, my friend Anthony, me and him, we came up with this idea. We just wanted to like promote a live stand-up show we didn't know anything about it it was like it would be like a fun like idea to like make money you know oh, okay like sell a- tickets maybe hire comedians or something and we went to this restaurant and we pitched them the idea and they're like oh we already have a comedy night it's gonna be in two weeks I'm like oh that's cool and they're like, are you guys comedians you want to do the show and we were just like yeah and then they're like great how much time do you want to do we're like 10 minutes and where was this? This is in Canada? On Vancouver Island. Okay. And we're like, oh my God, we're going to do it. And it was so exciting. It was like the most exciting thing ever. I remember it now. I was like, this is the most exciting thing ever. Because it was just like, I, I went yeah. from like doing nothing to like, I don't know. It's just, I'd like instantly, before I even started working on my 10 minutes, I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. Okay. And we went and we like sat down, we like wrote jokes and they were actually like decent jokes that had a real setup and a real punchline and stuff. And okay, so you were been a fan of stand up your whole life, so you kind yeah, of always been... watched it growing okay. up. I on, on in Canada they played just for laughs highlights like yeah. all day, every day on TV. So I'd always grown up watching that and I always understood I couldn't articulate. Um, but you don't even articulate like how to do stand-ups, like what a callback was and yeah. all these things, but you don't really need to be able to articulate things to do them. If that makes sense. I just kind of just knew deep down what I was supposed to be doing. So I just like started writing jokes and we went up and we did it as like a comedy duo. Cause we were like too afraid to go up by ourselves. And we had none of the dynamic of a duo. We had like, there was no like cool thing or any, we just kind of like took turns saying jokes almost and kind of talk to each other. And we did pretty good, dude. I mean, we got lots of laughs. And it was a good, it was an easy crowd. And it was a great crowd. We had friends in the crowd. But it was like, damn, dude, that was dope. Did it a couple more times with him. He didn't really want to pursue it at all. And so I was like, dude, I'm just going to keep doing it. And he's like, yeah, I do you. And so I just like, we just went all out. And just like, I did stand up like five times. And where I lived, you couldn't like, where I lived, you couldn't really get on stage um, often like you get on stage like once a month i'm like okay well i'm not gonna get good yeah getting on stage once a month and so i found this website called like that had a listing of all the new york open mics and i was like dude there's like 50 open mics a day i'm like i could just go to new york and just do a billion open mics and get good at it so i saved up like 900 dollars and just abandoned all my stuff and just went to New York with no job or anything. Oh, wow. How but old I, are you? 20. When you, oh, my gosh. Yeah. But I had family that lived in New Jersey. Okay. Like an hour and a half outside of the city. So I knew, worst case scenario, I had a, like a couch I could sleep on. And I went and did that. And I ran out of money almost immediately. And I didn't buy anything. It was just yeah. gone. And then I was broke. I slept on their couch and I'd take the bus into the city and then I got a job and then I figured it out and I started performing and working on it. And then I got, and things were sweet. And then after like a year, 
came out here to check it out because I always wanted to see what the comedy store was all about and then instantly fell in love and I saw people were be, being door guys and I was like, I need to do that. I need to become a door guy. So I just like signed up for the open mic like every day for like a year and I freaking did it and I worked my way up and grinded and became so you, a door guy. Did, when you became a door guy, did you have to like, you had to audition for Missy? It's like a... still do that? Oh, she's no, not, not she's Missy. Not anymore, no, she, I've never met Missy. I've never seen her. Um, it was for the talent coordinator. It was for the talent coordinator at the time. His name was Tommy. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was just like an ongoing audition. There was nobody just shows up and performs once and gets passed, but it's no. like, a, it's like you kind of like, there's so many comedians and so little spots. Yeah. So you're just like, it's just a lifelong audition. It's an on and off stage audition. You have to be cool off stage too. People have to like having you around. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, the comedy store has definitely evolved. So you became a doorman. How long ago was this? Like seven years ago. Seven years ago. So yeah. you were at the comedy store when it was probably the, the height of like comedy is back. No, when I became a door guy, comedy seven store years. fucking sucked. Oh, that's sucked. right. That's right. That wasn't it. That was in 2000. I started in 2013. 13. And it freaking sucked. Really? It was so bad. Why was it so bad? The biggest name there was Bobby Lee and the second biggest was... Crystalia. Crystalia went on to be a bigger name and then not. Um, uh, but didn't, I would think that like the podcasting world. No, this was like at the beginning. Beginning. So yeah. like I was like, I was like an early adapter almost. Like I got, I started listening to podcasts early. Mm -hmm. So I just knew about every, like I just knew about it. So I was, I was there like right away, which was dope. Yeah. So I got in there like 2013. It was dead okay right and like it was just a slow club that no one like going to it had a lot of bringer shows oh, yeah. it's like the worst shows ever but then by 2015 it became it blew up it blew up and that, do you think was, was all, that because like joe rogan's joe podcast? rogan came back okay. joe rogan wasn't performing he came back and brought with him a lot of bigger people which caused like a positive feedback loop and more and more wow. bigger people started coming by and it just became like just in so many different cool things were happening various independent shows were being produced that were kind of cool it just became like a scene you know and then it became like a fun hang and new new talent coordinator new management and everything just started like running smoothly and it just it was so attractive for audience members and all the famous comedians wanted to come by and perform there and it became like the club the hangout social club for all the big famous comedians and stuff and it just kept getting busier and busier and busier and busier well busier. i think then the, the improv was sold to a corporation and then because the improv was a, a lot of fun to hang out like in two like 98 2000 the comedy store was too but it was uh then they sold i think they've got i think they merged with a corporation they kind of remodeled it i don't think i think it might have lost some of its yeah levity live yeah. Yeah. No, I think I the original really, owner still owns. I don't know what the deal with the improv is. Runners. I don't know anything about the improv. improv. So if you're improv's it, dope though. Is it still a thing where you're you're if you're working at the comedy store, you're not gonna hang out at the improv? No, no, no one gives a shit. There was none no of that. Gives a stuff. No. It was like a early on that was like a whole thing. Every club has a few people that are, that are like just improv guys or just store guys or just Laugh Factory guys, but none of them are six. That's only because they're not successful enough yeah, yeah. to do all the clubs. Yeah, yeah. To be like a star. To be a, you got to be... To be able to kill and you need to be on some show. Well, at least when I first started doing stand-up in 90... Now being on a show means nothing, I know, dude. it's funny. I mean, it's so funny. Being on a show, there's... I mean, just at the comedy store alone... You know, to become a paid regular, so competitive. There was tons of people that were, for years, trying to become paid regulars at the store that were series regulars on TV shows, wow. big TV shows, and couldn't become get in wow. at the comedy store. Series regular meant almost nothing unless it was like a like HBO show or some shit. That was when I first started doing stand up. There wasn't as comedy wasn't as popular. The uh, 98 the 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 reality show world was a big deal the internet wasn't what it was mm. so you'd have to be like on the late show the tonight show you'd have to have that oh the tonight of, show means even less yeah so i and mean everything's changed dude i mean I, I have so many friends that can't become that have been trying to become paid regulars at the comedy store forever and they've done like a million late night appearances wow 
podcasting is like the number one thing for being so successful at comedy. And I still don't pod- have a podcast. That's crazy. <laughs> but so if you have a massive podcast, that would translate into you'd have a bigger supportive audience, maybe. People would just come out to see you. Yeah, that's it's, it's not all about. just like it's not just the numbers. It's like the actual engagement. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can be on a TV show that gets viewed by like 2 million people a week or whatever and have like no fans, right? Yes, and like, and you're not gonna, so, but you could have a podcast where uh-huh. that's twice a week or 75 to 150,000 people listen to and you're like making bucks and people are coming out to see you and you're selling out tickets and stuff like that because it's a totally different relationship like people know you and freaking love you dude they feel eventually when this podcast well. get big blows up yeah. people are gonna come up to you and be like dude like i like know you that's, which is pretty crazy that's, that's i don't know if that's a good thing <laughs> no i'm kidding so uh the thing that, that that that's the fascinating phenomenon i was i don't know this as well but i feel that People like when you watch a television show, you you know the character of that show, but you don't really know the person who plays that character. Right. But with a podcast, you feel you know this person is like your best friend or yep. someone that you're, and so you have a different relationship. If you're going to go see their show or something, uh, which is fascinating, so it's totally changed the entire landscape of uh, stand up. Oh yeah, for example, like some people listen to a podcast and you know it'll inspire them to buy a ticket to their show. I listened to all the comedy podcasts and then just said, fuck it, I'm going to go there and do that. That's you know? amazing. So there is, there's a probably, I was talking to a, a comedian friend of mine and she said that there, there's just way, there's so many comedians now. Mm-hmm. It's probably inspired a whole world, the stand up world. There's probably more comics now. Too many. Too many. Yeah, everyone's yeah. a comedian. Yeah, everyone. So 98, 2000, it was. A lot of like actors that were trying to get five minutes. They were like an actor that would do like a five minute set. Oh, yeah, to try yeah, to get, yeah, like, yeah. Spot yeah, they wanted to, because, because back then it's like you have like the, you have a dope five minutes and you have, and you have like uh, marketable qualities. Yeah. You get signed by an agent, it's very old school. And then you go to just for laughs and then you do your five minutes. And if you kill, you leave with like a $2 million development yes. deal, which is crazy. There was comics that do comedy for like two years and we were millionaires. That doesn't happen today. That's so no. dope. I want that. So, okay. So you're doing stand-up, you're developing your act, and then I, there's there's phases that some people may know if, if you don't know about the world of stand-up, but you're trying to first put together the first like five-minute set, which would be like a television set. You would do hosting. Then you want to try to become a feature where you would have like headliner comedians that would let you open for them. Then you get like to do like a, that could be a 15-minute set, 20-minute set. And you could work as a feature comic, and then you want to evolve into being a headliner. So now you're working at the comedy store. Mm-hmm. And then you've evolved into you've got to open for a bunch of great comics mm-hmm. and gone on the road with them. What is what was that experience like? Going from like, first you just want to be able to kill. Yeah. Then you want to get like the be able to even get to stand up places. Then you become a comedy. Yeah, and you're store. miserable the, the whole way. Cause yeah. You <laughs> want that next thing, and you're getting. And I'm like, you know, I'm move. I'm pre- steadily progressing, but I'm just like, I want that next thing. I'm not grateful for anything that I've accomplished in the past. So how long have you been doing stand up? Uh, ten years. Okay, nine years, nine and a half. I don't know. That's they say it takes ten years to become like a to headliner. Fuck to yeah. figure out. I started what headlining this year. That's perfect. You're in route. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, not. And then you every f- week. kind of figure out like your by ten years, it takes that long for someone to really understand what their point of view is. As yeah, I don't know my point of view at all. Well, you figure it out from like your act somewhat. You can yeah. kind of start doing the math. You'll have yeah. a, a, a disposition. Now, some people are really lame. They're just like. Because on stage, I'm just like this nice guy. I'm just like a fucking sweetheart and stuff. But like, really, I just want to go and just like, you know, just let it rip. Let it rip. I, like no, I don't know. Just, <laughs> really, I just want to go up there and just, uh, you know, just be a guitar act. But I'm just too afraid to bring a guitar on stage. And just do the song. I don't know how to play a guitar yet either. They, so. never, got, they never got any respect. Remember Henry Phillips? Name sounds familiar. He's great. Um. Okay, so break down this whole process. Now you're doing features. Yep. When was like the moment you're like, this might work out? Did you ever oh, have that experience? Not yet. <laughs> not yet, dude. I swear to God, dude. I mean, like sometimes I'll like even look at like all the things that I've done. Like, that's, that's cool. It's not nothing, you know? When was the first like you got paid to do stand up? 
Do you remember that? My first time on stage. That's yeah, that's I got impressive. 50 bucks my first time on stage. I'm like, this is fucking easy, dude. And then, But you did the New York scene, right? The New York so, scene. I paid money to get on stage in New York. That was like every time to, I paid money every single time. To, I didn't get paid, paid one time. You had to pay to perform. I paid every single time I went on stage. But I was like, in front of I just audiences? figured like actors pay all this money for acting classes. This is my acting class. So I'd pay like five bucks every time or whatever. Now, what kind of job were you doing in New York? Uh, bar backing. Making Good bank, gig. dude. I was making, I was 20 years old making 400 bucks a day. I'm like, I'm fuck yeah, dude. That's great. Yeah. But it was like the hard, most grueling labor ever. Uh, when did I first feel like I'm like, oh, I can do this thing? Hmm. Uh, maybe like when I got to open for Bill Burr, I'm like, I'm like my favorite comedian. How did that experience happen? What's up? How did that happen? You'd see Bill at the comedy store. I'd seen him around the comedy store. He had no, he had, he had, he had, uh, complimented me a few times when I got off stage. I'm like, fuck. And I didn't think anything of it. And I'm like, oh, no way, dude. And he, I thought he was just being nice. You know what I mean? I thought I was like, oh, he probably just says that to every young comic that walks by or whatever. And then uh, um, he complimented me. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then my friend came up to me after. He's like, dude, when you were on stage, Bill Burr leaned over to me. And he's like, hey, this guy's really solid. I'm like, oh, shit. Fuck yeah. And so I just, he had complimented me twice. And then I found out I'm going to be in the same city as him. And so I managed to get someone to show him a video of mine because I figured he had still didn't know who I was. And someone showed him this video, and he loved it. And he's like, yeah, dude, tell him to come by. You can host the shows. And these are like 4,000-seat wow. theaters. And, oh, I, and I found out. I'm like, oh, my God, yes. And also, 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 I lied. I said I was in that city, but I wasn't in that city. <laughs> and, and then he said, yeah. And so I was like, yeah, and so I flew up there. Because it, it, when you're asking someone to open, you don't want to be like, yeah, and you, that's too much pressure. Yeah, it's yeah. an easier ask if you say, dude, I'm already there. So it's just no pressure. you know. And then he said, yeah, so I flew up there. He didn't know that. And uh, I did it, and it was, like, amazing. He, like, told some, like, industry people to come out and see me, too. And this part of, like, it was at Just for Laughs, Vancouver, Oh, wow. And so I'm like, damn, dude, my favorite comedians, like, let me open for him and, like, helping me out and shit and, 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 and introducing me to people. I'm like, this is amazing. And he was like, yeah, he was really, like, at the festival, like, to all the industry that was there. Like, hey, you guys got to check this guy out and stuff. I'm like, oh, my God, this it's, is amazing. So we, you did, you got a host for, uh, open a show at Just for Laughs, or he was doing a show in Vancouver? He was, like, the biggest act at just for laughs okay and that's oh wow and you had you got to host for him at just for laughs yeah that's impressive yeah what a hell of an opportunity yeah we did like four shows four thousand seats and then i got How to do it you? again and then i was like maybe i fucking suck at comedy then i got to do it again a year later or two years later which is still dope. wow okay so doing stand-up in a room full of like a couple hundred people is a completely different experience than doing stand-up in front of four thousand people there's yep. like a delay in the yeah delivering a punchline and it's it's so, honestly it's so much easier it's so easy when you have four thousand people because like even if your joke sucks like a thousand of them will laugh loud enough to like think it's funny you know but like when you get was four, that the but biggest? when you're like crushing with yeah. four thousand people it feels so good dude <laughs> so was that the biggest amount of the most amount of people you had yeah. performed in front of okay how did you what was the f when you first went out and did the because your hosting's different because you got to warm the crowd up right and then yeah you, you just open to form and then brought him out or did you bring up a no, feature? I just open and then bring up the feature and the feature brings him up. Okay, that's that's a lot. That's a little bit less pressure. Yeah. Than doing, but that's still a wonderful experience. Oh, it's like I mean, the coolest thing ever. Holy shit, yeah, that's it was amazing. So dope. Because the one people to be a host is uh, it's a very important job because you got to set up the feature, you got to you got to create the energy of the show. You're going out there, it's cold. I was so and it's nervous, dead. dude. Four thousand people in front of my idol that's like letting me open the show and shit. I was like so nervous and all this industry and stuff there, and then I freaking killed it, dude. So that's a, okay. So you want to be a fighter, and then you realize that do that's what stand up is. It's a fight. It's, there's, I, I, for my first few years, I was always comparing it with like just jabs and leaning back and stuff like that. Because you're going out there and you're, it's, so I, when I used to do stand up, there would, it would be, if you weren't famous, I'm sure 
it's a little bit different now, I think, but it's kind of like, fuck you, you're not funny, prove it. Mm. I went and saw a show. I didn't, but I just remember the audiences were very, it's more, everyone's really supportive. They seem to be, but I think New York's different. They Years ago, it seemed to be a lot like, I'm not laughing unless you're really funny. Like they want to not like you. Yeah, I've t- I, that happens to me all the time. And that's that's kind of the game is if you, you I've have had to so get many people, I've had so many people come up to me after, after a set and they'll literally say, and the, they've said to me, hey, when you walked on stage, I didn't want to like you, but then you were funny. I'm like, <laughs> oh man. That's great. Yeah. Well, cause you almost have to, sometimes you have to look like a caricature. Right. Like the more trouble most your life is. Look like dog shit. Yeah, they look like their life is so terrible that you... Yeah, and I and I just, you know, I, I, I eat healthy and I... You're a healthy, good-looking guy. present yeah. myself and they're like, oh, this guy's going to fucking be a dick. Fuck this guy. And then I do good and then they like me. And you, have to get energy. A, you have to get a laugh the first few seconds. got to be your best joke, right? Right off the bat. You got to fucking hit them. Yeah. Gotta. Funny. Gotta. Okay, so this, so you're in Vancouver. You do this for Just for Laughs. What an amazing experience. And, and then I come back and then immediately did some open mic and bombed. And I'm like, yeah, there we go, dude. <laughs> back to reality, bro. Wow, that's a great Every experience. time I ever do something cool in comedy, I always do go do a shitty open mic to humble myself after. When I did the, I did a pilot for NBC and it was like my first like acting gig, you know, and like, you know, a trailer for a couple of days on the Universal lot and stuff. And every night I'd film that, I'd, like, go do some shitty open mic just to, like, humble myself. Yeah. And it felt good to, like, go to set, to stage, you know what I mean? And then, uh, yeah, every, and any time I, and then I did another TV thing, and I did that, and then I went and... Uh, well, you were on, you did a guest star on Modern Family. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that whole experience. That was pretty sweet. I mean, that's that show's hilarious. Yeah. I got the audition, and then I... Uh, I was like, I was like, oh, I can do this role because it was pretty close to like how I sound and act. I'm like, I can do that because I don't really know how to act that well. And I just worked super hard on it. And uh, and uh, my friend Max Carver coached me. Shout out to him. He's on the gonna be on the new Batman. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, I did the audition, and I didn't think I was gonna get it. And then I was. I auditioned on a Monday and it was shooting on a Wednesday. And then on a Tuesday, I had a flight to Vancouver to do a show. And I was like, all right, well, if I don't hear by the time I flight, that means I didn't get it because they're shooting the next day and then you have to have a dress, you know, go do wardrobe and all that stuff. And then so like Tuesday happened. I'm like, oh, I guess I didn't get it. I guess I'm just going to go to Vancouver. And I went to the airport and I was like waiting at the airport and I was kind of bummed, but I was like, all right, well, I should just start getting excited for this trip. And then I was like getting, I was like, walking onto the plane i was oh like i like had already like they scanned my ticket i was like in the th- in the thing the walkway thing and i was like oh i should check my phone before i lose signal and i check my phone and i get the text saying i got the part oh wow. and i was like and i thought it was going to be like a text like like hey thanks for auditioning but you know like like, hey, you know, they liked you, but it's just not the right thing. And I was like, uh, and I'm like, and I'll do like my, I like, I like, when I think about that, I like freak out. Like then, how cl- like you could have almost, <laughs> the plane could have shut. I would have had to get off the plane, immediately get on and fly back. Oh God, that would have been an ordeal. It, dude, and, and the whole day was such an ordeal though. Cause then like I found, I got it right. And then I like, you know, took off and then was like dry, went home and then they were like, hey, can you come to set right now for wardrobe? I'm like, yeah. So I like drop my bags off, immediately go to set, do the thing. Oh, also I had a I had a broken wrist and elbow. Do you remember when I had that cast yeah, yeah. for like five months? Yeah. I had a broken wrist and elbow. I took it off for the audition and the shoot. And I didn't want them to know because I didn't want to be a liability. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then. Uh, this is what it takes if you want to make it, folks. Yeah, dude. You can't fuck around, <laughs> dude. You just <laughs> can't, you can't fucking willy nilly do shit. You got to be a fucking psycho. You, you literally have, have to have a broken arm and be willing win. to. And the top of every scene we did, we shot the scene 9,000 times and I shook her hand at the top of the scene every oh. single time. And then. Um, uh, oh, Matthew McConaughey was standing like two feet away from me when I found out, too. That was pretty cool. Oh, he was at the airport? Yeah. Like when I got off oh. the thing, he was trying on sunglasses. I'm like, that just adds to, that just makes the moment more surreal. Him, His character in uh, Wooderson that made him his whole thing. We love that movie as a kid. Um, 
in college, and I first moved out here to Los Angeles, and it was like in 1998, and I was, I was bartending at Joffrey's, and I remember after work, we went to Duke's, and he was there. And I looked over, he was like right next to me. I was like, holy shit, it's fucking Wooderson. <laughs> and I was like, can I, you know, I said, can I buy you a drink? And he goes, he goes, yes, but whatever you do, just don't say the Lord's name in vain. Nice. <laughs> and that was, it was just one of those, Fuck it was yeah, one of those dude. moments where like, what do I, am I like the Satanist that can't stop saying God damn it? I was like, what is going, it was so bizarre, but then it was kind of wonderful at the same time. I was like, sure, that's not a problem. I won't, here's your. That's great. I just dude. wanted to buy the guy. It's no, I'm like, that's it. That's all. That's I, great. Oh, we're not going to talk. I'm oh, just so going to give you a drink. Yeah. So then I, um, so I got it and then yeah. I went to the thing and then immediately I get a call from my agent. They're like, oh, uh, you have to go join SAG right now. Oh, you got to put down like, $3,300. I'm like, are you fucking, and I had no money. Oh. I'm like, I have to join SAG right now. They're like, yeah, dude. If you don't out there, I'm like, your SAG must join. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Okay, see, right. and yeah. and, I, and I started googling and I started freaking out. I thought I literally thought I lost it because I'm like, I thought it takes like a certain amount of time to like join yeah. SAG and stuff. And I was like, so I like fucking went to the SAG building. It was like freaking out, like frantically filling out the papers. And I didn't have the money, so I just like, I thought. I was able to come up with like twelve hundred bucks. So. They do like a partial payment or something. I think yeah, twelve hundred bucks, that. and then four hundred bucks a month for the next six months. Like mafia shit, dude. That's aggressive. So that fucking sucked. I, I ended was, up making it back, but it fucking sucked. I was in a casting a feature film, and I had to. I was a must join, and I had to. Um, so you probably made like two grand, and then had to spend three grand. I probably no. I don't know how much I made on that film. Not that much money though. Like whatever the minimum SAG was, and I worked on it for four days. Right. The one thing I I noticed from like comics and stuff that do stand up, and the people that transition into the acting world, if the comic does like really over the top stand up, mm -hmm. they don't necessarily translate very well as acting. But the a lot of the comedians had more of a subtle approach because you're already you're delivering a line. Mm -hmm. You're already in front of a crowd. It's the same thing as on a set. It's impossible to be in front of that many people. So if you can naturally do that, you're going to do well. I know that like, uh, except Robin Williams was a great, he did, he was a great actor. Uh, and he was way over the top. Does did you feel, but did you have acting? Did you ever do any like acting classes or anything? You just did. I did, uh, I did like a three week acting intensive. Okay. That's good. That I don't remember anything I learned. I did this one class for a couple months. You just kind of like did hip thrust and cried for a little bit. <laughs> And it was good. So you got into the, the, the acting cult world. You went it, into that. Yeah, you do these hip thrusts and Loosen conjure up, up all your resentments from childhood to oh get them to the front. So you'd actually, I, I ended up being really emotional and resentful. It didn't teach you how to cope with it. It just taught you how to bring them up, you know? Yeah. It worked because I was pissed off all the time. That's hilarious. I think a lot of the acting classes really destroy people and they just get in their head about stuff. Dude, you got to be careful. That's like, yeah. that's like, I, I didn't realize it. It's like, you got to, you either. Well, if you can impact Tapping into all, yeah. like all your dark shit, if you haven't actually resolved it. Yeah. That's could be why there's a lot of messed up actors out there. They get into a character and they can't come out of it. Yeah. I don't understand that myself. I just. I don't get it if you can't, like, understand. But if you don't know who the fuck you are, I guess. Dude, my my acting is just, like, can I read and memorize yeah. lines and then... Deliver the line. Yeah, it's just, fuck, it's not that this. hard, dude. <laughs> Unless you're, like, crying and shit. Yeah. You just play yourself real in the situation. Yeah, That's man. what... Uh, I'm, I live right behind... I live in a guest house, and I work for this family, and I end up... And the house we lived behind was Billy Bob Thornton. And I work for this family that was, like, socialites and stuff, and I befriended him and this is a long time ago and it was really weird because i saw the movie sling blade and i wanted to become a character actor and i remember i had a very attractive girlfriend and because of that he befriended me because he's just like who is this girl and then here's this funny character and so we became buddies i'd come home and then i'd he be outside your smoking. girlfriend no but i'm uh he could have probably tried to no he didn't Okay. I mean, who knows? No. <laughs> you sounded like disappointed. No, he didn't. I mean, it, it didn't. We were towards the end of our 
he had him Angelina Jolie had just left. They had just uh, and they had three of his friends died. But the point was, he told me I was in this acting class with all these working actors, and I wasn't doing all the stuff they were doing. I was just kind of doing my own thing. And then a couple people in the class were like, you know, you're going to be a working actor. You're blah blah blah. Which I thought all of it was kind of comical because I came from the point of view of like a comedic point of view. And then I remember with him, I he was telling me about his first experience being in acting class and stuff. And he said that like when people would ask him in interviews, like to describe his method and he, he just goes, I don't have one. I just play myself real in the situation. And that's all I had to hear was like, Oh shit, I'm already naturally doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. So now you're going to become a superstar. You don't need a class. Like my acting is like, here's my range. It's a tiny little range (laughs) and I can do that pretty good and basically when i do the lines i just go and i just listen to myself and i go did i sound actory let me see if i can do that again and i can literally feel it in my chest if i'm if i feel actory my chest tightens up just a tiny bit and i go okay i'm not talking naturally because when i'm talking naturally i'm talking like this you're comfortable yeah Yeah. i don't even know how to talk i also sound like an idiot i have like a speech impediment I'm trying to, to sometimes if I'm talking slow, it's because I'm trying not to just, sometimes I'll just skip words. Maybe I mumble, but I'll just skip a word. I'm like, you you get it. I have a hard time pronouncing words. I don't, I think I've said something I haven't. So this is what's, this is a great thing. So you're doing stand up. Mm -hmm. You're in front of all these people delivering. You've done the guest spot. You acted in a television show. Now you've set yourself up to become you're going to become a Hollywood superstar right here. Right now? Saw it right here. Podcast? Yeah, this is it. You, now you have to become like the biggest movie star on the planet. Dude, so I this just... podcast can really take off. Yeah. How soon can this happen? When's the next, what's the next thing? I think my way to make it yeah. is, uh, I don't know. I don't give a shit, dude. I, I'm, I'm renting a cabin in the woods, bro. I don't give a fuck. I got enough firewood for the win. I got enough firewood to get me through the winter, and I got like 80 pounds of dried lentils. So fucking. Do you think you're going to come back to Los Angeles? Because during the pandemic, you went up to Canada to not have to deal with this. Yeah. Do you feel uh, you're going to come back here? Yeah. I Once think it's not so. so crazy. It's funny. The whole time I was up there, I really, I really didn't want to come back. And I was like, fuck, I got to come back for a few weeks because I, I don't want to quarantine when I go back now. And but I went from like it was snowing and kind of cold when I left. And then today I like went and played beach volleyball and swam in the ocean in, mid, in late October. And I'm like, hmm. fuck, that's pretty good. I don't know, dude. I think I'm going to be by coastal on the same coast. I'm going to live in both places. It's nice to have fuck you money. Yeah, they could do that. I don't have fuck you money, but I have enough to rent a cabin and I have 80 pounds of lentils, which feels like <laughs> fuck you money. So like I go into an audition and they're like, uh, you know, all these other actors that come like, I want the job. I want the job. I'm like, bitch, I got 80 pounds worth of lentils. And firewood. I got enough firewood to get me through the winter and I got 80 pounds worth of lentils. So I don't fucking need what you're offering. Okay. I'm gonna it's eat. True. Now, I I don't know. You might not know this, but I've I've part of this podcast is me doing a midlife crisis and trying to relate to the young people. And part of that is self obsession and narcissism. And I just been talking about myself. And you know, it's seven shows in. It got too much. So I have to have talk to other people. But I'm off. I am the first uh, midlife crisis coach. The first pioneer. Do you have any advice for um, guys in their 40s to 65 that are thinking about a midlife crisis, may have even approached it yet? Because you I'm in a midlife crisis right now. You are. How old yeah, are you? You're like, 29. This is great. You're, you're, this is very early, though, to get yeah, into a midlife well, I'm crisis. Yeah, like in the, in the woods. You think that oh, this is good? I'm this, could grid, be like a, this could be a mid... This could quarter be a life pre, crisis. A pre, Hopefully, it's a quarter a life crisis. I don't want it to be a midlife crisis. I mean, I live to fifty-eight. So I like that. So your approach is just to go full, go to the woods, and then like chop wood. I saw on Instagram you were like chainsawing wood. Yeah, you look like you could have been the cover of Men's Health and Fitness. Like yeah, it dude. was a pretty spectacular thirst thing. trapping at its yeah. finest. That was that was impressive. I just I realized if I ever get really good saw skills, yeah. right? 
If you get if you get really fit, you need to get a chainsaw and wood. Yeah, dude. Because you're just full flex. It was yeah. great. It was amazing. If you haven't, you gotta we'll have Abby's uh below in the video. If you go on YouTube, you'll you'll see all videos of, of me chopping wood, being yeah. a hunk. You get on the Instagram and you'll think, Wow, this is my dream guy for all the young ladies out there. I can ladies, if you're listening, if you're listening, I got enough wood to get us through the winter. Um Got 80 pounds for the lentils. I'm going to buy a gun in Los Angeles, and I'm working on getting my li- gun license in Canada. Um, probably buy a handgun. So I'll have a handgun, enough wood to get us through the winter, and lots of dried lentils you should, you and cooking oils. You could be a fucking lumberjack. I don't need to be a lumberjack. I'm just trying to survive, just dude. Get to, the, get to the winter. Yeah. So how 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 cold does it get? Does it get pretty, you're, how far up north? Fuck, You're in Vancouver. Dude. Yeah. So like my landlord at the cabin, he has to like because I'm going to be gone when it's cold. He has to drain the pipes oh, and so run a freeze. fire because if it freezes, the pipes will explode. Yeah, we can't have that. Yeah, sometimes it gets real cold at night. It's cozy as shit though. I got a loft, ladies. If you're listening, get to Vancouver. You, you can't though. Unless you're already in Canada. They won't let anyone travel up there. Oh, no filthy, stinky Americans. Dude, they need to build a wall for Canada to nope. keep the Americans out yep. because they're coming. Yep. I had to quarantine when I first got in. Fucking suck, dude. Okay, so who do you think is who do you think's gonna win this election? Oh, Donald Trump. You think he's gonna win by Oh yeah. Landslide. What happens once he wins? How Um Riots. Nonstop. It's gonna be nonstop riots for like two weeks. It's going to get crazy. Two weeks. And then you think almost, martial law comes down? Or just a yeah, hopefully national guard? Yeah. The thing is, if Biden wins, there's not going to be a riot. So I don't think. Yeah. I don't think I don't think Trump's war is going to riot. If he wins, like, clearly, there won't be riots. But if Trump wins... He'll contest it? Who knows, dude? All I know is come November 3rd, I'm going to be real cozy... In my cabin with my firewood, pre-split. Look, ladies, uh, you might want to try to get up to Canada, get to Vancouver for the election. Got a machete. I'll teach you how to light a fire. You can cook for me while I go. You know, you're gonna end up on like the the Bachelor. You're gonna be the like the new Bachelor. Yeah, all the preppers are the new Bachelor guys, dude. Do you find yourself watching prepper shows? prepper youtube stuff no more like farming homestead stuff uh this is, this trailer is conversions for the summer i lived in a trailer what i kind bought of like a 1976 rustler oh wow foot. like a trailer that goes yep. behind a pickup truck right yep like, oh and then i bought the pickup truck to tow the trailer this is incredible yeah i got a ford f-150 dude i'm a real man so ladies ford f-150 are XLT. you gonna take this on the road and do your stand-up like you could do the trailer tour i would if gas wasn't if it didn't get 10 miles to the gallon that's that good i drove my car back cost like 120 bucks if i took my truck it would have been like 500 dollars oh. each way so the ford 150 doesn't get very good gas ford mileage. f-150 no it's the worst gas mileage it's a big truck oh wow but it's great for hauling firewood so you have you been able to I saw that you were able to do some shows, do some stand-up. I, in the month of July, I performed probably more than any other comedian in the world. I did 31 shows in July, all mostly headlining shows. Because they closed the border, and they didn't let, like, successful American comedians in. So they have to give all the work to locals. Oh, this is great. Wink, wink, me, who's also American, but I'm, in, I'm there. So, yeah, I scooped up a bunch of headlining work. This is great. Yeah, dude. You want this to keep coming. You want this to continue. My career's never been better since moving. I've I've never been getting more. I've been offered more spots and more auditions since I moved. Well, that's the kind of the thing is uh, the being the stand up is you got to chase the stage time. Yep. And so you're you're nailing it. Mm -hmm. This is perfect. So if you can keep this pandemic going, you will dominate Canada. Yep. Are you traveling all throughout Canada or just kind of staying on the just West West Coast? Coast, Yeah. East Coast Canada's got kind of a hot spot for COVID. That's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else we should talk about? We should talk about where uh, are you going to have wife and kids? Am I going to have wife and yeah. kids? No. I've, I don't need a child looking at me with absolute disappointment. I want to have kids. Do you? So that's the, that's the, really? Yeah. You want, do you have a, a lady in mind? No. So you got, I'm telling you what, if this, the, 
if a woman out there is just trying to find the man of her dreams, yep. I, if I was casting The Bachelor, dude, we would be contacting you right Spit now. Firewood. <laughs> he's a, he's a funny comedian. He's uh he's a survivor. He Denim knows how jacket. to chop when he a has Ford lentils. F one fifty. It still runs. Two thousand five. You could definitely be the most eligible bachelor here Cook. in the United States, in Los Angeles by far. Yeah, I'm uh I'm 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 vegetarian, borderline vegan, sober. Yeah, that's right. You're sober. I have a brick of cash buried somewhere. I. <laughs> this is going to be on you know, like a dating profile, and this yep. whole podcast is edited through. On Raya, my occupation is peanut farmer. That's a good. Unless someone has a peanut allergy. Yeah, well, fuck them. Yeah, They're not welcome, <laughs> dude, because I'm eating peanut butter all day, dude. I would never date a girl if she just made me choose between pe- her and peanut butter. Oof, that's tough. Fuck that. that. You're that you're Bye. <laughs> Having a peanut allergy would be brutal. Okay, okay, uh, what about cashews? Cashew allergy? I've never heard if of If you that. have a peanut allergy, are you also allergic to cashews and nuts? I good don't know. Question. That's a really good because I could live without peanut butter yeah. if I could do cashew butter because it's actually fucking amazing. But I gotta make them bucks That's true. to buy cashew butter because it isn't cheap. It's about seven bucks a jar as opposed to like two, three bucks a jar. So if you force me to give up peanut butter, you better be massaging my back and encouraging me to take over the world so I can buy us cashew butter because that shit's expensive. Needs a lady with has means that can uh, help support the cashew butter if you have a peanut allergy. But if not, if you don't world. have a peanut allergy and you like, uh, you know. So are you? So if you're in Canada, you, are you going to be doing any shows in the near future? No. Oh, uh, if you want to. Can I plug my stereo? Yes. Follow me on stereo app. Download app and then follow me on stereo. If you like podcasts, you can, if you follow me, I'll follow you back and you can just straight up call me anytime and we can talk and it'll be a live podcast. Shout out to stereo app. What is stereo? App? I'm an official creator on stereo app. Imagine Twitter. This is, this is imagine Twitter, but you could call your followers and, and when you're on the call, you're live podcast. You're and people are wow. listening in. Yeah, it's really cool. I'll get you on it. This is that's what I need. I'll get you on as a creator. Yes. Abby's taking over. Yeah, dude. So anything else I need to say? They pay me to do it. That's perfect. Yeah. Getting getting rich podcasting. Yeah, so I've just been sitting in my cabin podcasting, making bucks. That's amazing. Yeah. This is really good. Okay, I think we've done I think we've done it. Unless Fuck yeah, want, dude. Unless there's anything else you want to talk about. No, you're good because I got to do something at uh, 7.45, so. We did it. We did it. Thank you all for uh, follow Abby. Check at out all the Abby stuff. Abby Robert, you know, should be links. Yes, down below. Um, you're listening on audio, A-B-B-Y-R-O-B-E-R-G-E. Perfect. Thank you so much, all of you. All the, the questions. We'll be back. Bye-bye.